Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I'm your host and I am very excited to be joined by a very good friend of mine, a legend in the sport of ultra and trail running. He is a behavioral neuroscientist at the Worcester Polytechnic Institute. He is the 13-time champion of the legendary Escarpment Trail Run in the Catskill Mountains. And he has more FKTs on the FKT, the fastest known time website, than anyone else in recorded history. He is my Mountain Peak Fitness Red Newt Racing teammate, Ben Nephew. Ben, welcome to the Pain Cave. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's good to talk to you and good to see you in the midst of this clusterfuck of, uh, of a year that we're experiencing. How are you guys holding up? We're, we're good. Um, I, I really can't complain. So, you know, both uh, the wife and I are, are still employed. Um, you know, the work I do is pretty amenable to doing from, from home. Um, so we do a lot of fMRI, uh, MRI analysis. Mm-hmm. So we can do write papers and write grants from home. I mean, it's, it's not the easiest thing. Um, and then the, you know, the kids are, are getting older. Um, Gavin, our 13 year old is basically ready for college. And, um, <laughs> Aiden is just, uh, I think mom is happy to have him home and, and doing work with him. Um, and it's been, it's been nice. We're also, we're also quarantining with our neighbors who have kids, you know, similar. Yeah, you ages. got the, uh, the double bubble scenario. We do, and it's um, yeah. I it'd be hard to imagine what it would be like without it. Yeah, and yeah. It's uh, it's definitely very convenient. They're over here right now. The parents were over watching Eva's show, so Stephanie's sister, mm-hmm. um, Eva Tenuto, the the TMI. They did a they did a Zoom performance tonight. So the parents were over here, and the kids actually were over at the neighbor's house um, watching a movie by themselves. Oh, cool. So. Yeah, I mean, that's like a typical thing. Um, but yeah, so it's good. I mean, academia is a little scary right now. Um, you know, maybe ask me in six months and see what happens. What kind of pressures are you seeing on that end? Um, I mean, you know, my my position is research heavy. And, um, you know, there's a lot of financial pressure on colleges even before COVID. Sure. So, you know, there's there's efforts to increase student aid and reduce expenditures. And, you know, I mean, everyone's aware of the ballooning tuition even before COVID. So you have that context and then you have COVID on top of it. I mean, they're, you know, universities are losing money hand over fist um, and trying to figure out what to do. It's been an interesting week for sure, because I thought everyone was going to follow the university of California's lead um in kind of being conservative but right y- it doesn't seem like that this week there's a no lot of uh, nyu just yeah. said they're gonna open in the fall there's a lot of schools i mean that just today i was reading about so i i haven't heard anything about wpi and mass some of the massachusetts schools they may renege i don't know but i mean initially bu said they were just like done for all of next year they wow were in, in terms of on campus but i don't i don't know if that's going to change Wow. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we'll see. And then, you know, grant wise, research wise, it's, you know, yeah. who knows what's going to happen. Right. You know, if not, if you're not doing research in COVID, you might really want to think about that right now. So, <laughs> I mean, I like, um, I think I did the fastest grant, um, submission ever. They have these fast grants and 
you know, we had someone at WPI that was doing telehealth work in mental illness. She had an app and, um, you know, she had applied for funding for this and it hadn't been funded. And it's definitely relevant to, you know, the current um, situation. And they had these fast grant opportunities. And we literally like put a, you know, I mean, it was a pretty short application, but an application together in 24 hours. And then you, you heard back like, 48 hours after that oh wow yeah that's crazy so that's not typical usually no. it's like three, usually it's like three months right yeah wow <laughs> that's crazy but, yeah so it's it's actually the organization was called fast grants and it's uh, a bunch of you know wealthy benefactors they got together and pooled some money and put together this mechanism and then just asked for applications that's great that's great yeah cool so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny you say Gavin's ready for, for college. Uh, Lex is, you know, 14. She's the same way. She's already talking to us that she wants to graduate a year early and, you know, take a gap year. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what is a gap year? This is, your, like, this is your gap year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What She's are you going to do? right now, whether she wants to or not. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'll travel. Just, Jesus Christ. No, no travel. <laughs> oh, so NYU just today announced that they were going to start classes in the fall. And not only that, they were opening up all their international campuses. As oh, well. my God. I, I was like, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Lex, the only thing I could really say. Lex, wow. is over, Lex is over this whole thing already. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. But so yeah. the, the reason that I wanted to have you on, um, you know, prompted by this whole epidemic or pandemic, is that we've seen this, you know... <laughs> uh, I guess, inevitable explosion of FKT culture. Yeah. Um, it's been kind of crazy. I mean, honestly, I haven't been following as, as much as I probably would e- expect. Um, and and I, I would have in, in years past, but um, I'm definitely like somewhat aware of it, whether it's through Strava notifications or <laughs> right. whatever. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, for, for those of our listeners who aren't terribly familiar with FKTs, which I can't imagine is a high percentage, but just to, to do a quick review, FKT stands for fastest known time. And what it basically involves is picking out a route, either inventing a route yourself or picking out an established route or an established trail and basically trying to cover it faster than has been previously documented. And these can range from, uh, you know, anything a few miles long to several thousands of miles long. Some of the iconic FKTs out there, are obviously on, you know, the, the John Muir Trail of two, 220 plus miles or the PCT of 2000 plus miles or the AT, which, you know, we've seen multiple FKT attempts in the last several years. Um, but you've been in on the FKT bandwagon, I guess, or I, certainly before it was a bandwagon. You're one of the pioneers yeah. kind of of the FKT particularly in the in the northeast uh, trail scene tell us a little bit about how you got into fkts because you 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 know even even while you were uh still competing on the roads and cross-country races and everything else you were dabbling in fkts we're talking 10 15 years ago so tell us a little bit about how that kind of became an important part of the sport for you yeah um you know i've always had um well, a progressively harder time fitting racing into my schedule. Um, I mean, there, there are multiple factors. One, you know, for a while there, um, there were the same races every single year. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a lot of new events, especially 
when you're talking about the Northeast, there weren't a lot of longer options. Um, you know, it was like Bear Mountain, North Face Bear Mountain every mm-hmm. single year. Um, you know, the the Pylon Trail Festival, you know, which was phenomenal. I mean, both of those were phenomenal mm-hmm. and, um, you know, great options. But um, I've always found that after about three or four years, I mean, kind of looking back res- retrospectively, um, I've noticed that, you know, I just kind of get tired of some races. Right. Um, unless it's, you know, something like Escarpment or, or Seven Sisters. Um which just never fit into my schedule after I started getting into to ultras. But there weren't a lot of new race options. And then I realized that, you know, a lot of a lot of the courses in New England before recently, recent years, were compromised. They were loop courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and I was always a big hiker. And I realized, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if they had a race on the presidential, you know, Right. Um, ridge and sure enough fkts came along and um so the other factor would be that i've always been one that has been able to to and someone to some degree forced to um train on my own mm-hmm. and so you know some people can't really motivate themselves to run hard outside of like a, a race or like a team practice setting and that's never been an issue for me partially out of necessity right and so it's always been something I've, I've always been able to to run very hard by myself whether or not there was a race or you know a training group involved although i've you know i've been blessed to to have access to you know some really awesome training groups you know whether it's in in, in college or, or um post-collegially in the in the boston area um and then you know i mean i i just you know, really enjoy the idea of, you know, some of these courses and the fact that they're so aesthetically pleasing and, you know, you know, kind of timing your own route and then creating some of the, you know, I mean, obviously some of these routes are, are pretty obvious and have, have been around, um, right. long for any of us. Um, but it was also fun kind of, um, you know, making up novel routes and then, you know, getting on to, you talk about 10 to 15 years ago, 13 years ago, you know, we started our family and yeah, time just gets much tighter there. So the flexibility of being able to like pick a weekend to do an FKT, um, as my racing got, I mean, I, I mean, I was racing dozens of times a year um, right. when I was younger before kids. Um, I mean, most people are pretty shocked when I tell them that, you know, the first year, um, I had my, my Subaru WRX, I put 56,000 miles on it. And that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a lot of, you know, I mean, I would drive three hours one way to do a 5k snowshoe race, <laughs> you know, in Western mass. And that was like, you know, once kids happen, that just stopped. That, right. I mean, exactly. There's no way I was driving three hours to, to do a 5k snowshoe race. It just wasn't happening. No, but but um, you you would. I mean, you're you're legendary for like a two and a half hour drive at five a.m. to run oh, a run a Prezi uh, a Prezi Traverse or something, and then right. bang home by noon or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. I mean, and I guess the only other factor would be that you know I really have a strong respect for like weather and and conditions to some degree, but mm-hmm. mostly heat. And so um, you know you can kind of avoid that if um right you you prefer to with with fkts and so it gives you 
a lot more options in terms of, of picking your day. Right. Um, I think the, the best example was, you know, I decided to try the Connecticut Ultra Challenge, um, the run through, which is amazing. That's and, the, the you know, which is, is, is almost like an organized FKT. It's like this, this mishmash of race and FKT. And right. two years kind ago, when they, when they held it, it was like an inferno. And yeah. um, I've never been so sick in my life. And, um, yeah, it definitely had like heat exhaustion at the very least. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should have just, you know, I, I, the crazy thing was like the day before it was amazing. It was like 60 and dry. Oh man. And then the day it was held, it was like 95 and you know. Right. But it was, that was the kind of the predetermined day for a few people. Yep. Yeah. 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 But there's something, I mean, there's something to be said for the appeal of, right, like looking at a map and picking out a trail and just, or just connecting point to point and being like, ah, they're, they're never going to be able to run a race there, but wouldn't it be cool to see how fast we can do that? Yeah. And I mean, ironically, as soon as I started doing that, you know, all of a sudden Charlie Goodall is like, oh yeah, I just uh, got a permit for this thing, you know, for the Catskills. <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. There's no way they give you a permit for that. Um <laughs> You know, and then, you know, Joe and Elizabeth are, you know, and, and um, Ian are organizing Breakneck. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was none of that, like, when I started doing FKTs. Right. And so, to some degree, it was really hard, um, you know, for a while to really balance the FKTs and the races. I mean, I definitely sacrificed pretty prime weekends to do races. <laughs> right, right. Um, because, you know, I, you know, Cat's Tail, Manitou's, Breakneck, I mean, those are, those are amazing. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it, and as I race less, you know, the, the, the more, um, the social aspect of, of races is, is, is more significant for me, you know? So if I, if I skip the few races I do do, um, you know, I really kind of miss out on seeing people for, right. you know, months or like a half a year. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So you mentioned this ability to really push yourself kind of to the limit despite being by yourself or, you know, not in a race scenario, which I think is the main limiting factor for a lot of people when attempting FKTs, if they're really going to get, you know, to a true kind of max performance, what do you attribute that to? Is that a skill that you've always had? Or is that something that that you just honed over hours of training solo? Um, I mean, I, it might have come about in college. So in high school, I definitely had some some really strong runners to to run with um and you know good coaches and teams um in college so i went to hobart and william smith and you know hobart wasn't known for running the cross-country team was tiny and then mm-hmm. with regards to indoor track or outdoor track well there were no teams right we could do a club sport which is fun because we could go around the finger lakes area and just jump into races as unattached runners um, but then I got into road racing in, in college because there was no organized track. But, um, so in college, you know, it wasn't a super competitive scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was forced to kind of train hard on my own if I actually wanted to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, and then, you know, I mean, I think in high school, I, I definitely started to learn that because, you know, if you don't put in a, a solid summer, or if you do put it in a solid summer, it makes a huge difference, you know, by the time you're a junior or senior. Right. And I've always been the type of person that, you know, I was never blessed with ridiculous talent. So, um, yeah, I had to put the training in to, to, to get results. So, I mean, I think the, the combination of those two probably 
made it a necessity that, or, you know, probably led to my ability to, um, and I mean, I just enjoy being out on my own anyways, and um, have always enjoyed hard efforts, you know, whether it was running or, or anything. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some people, you know, they're more motivated by the medals and the, you know, the awards and, and things like that and the races mm-hmm. um, in the competitive environment. But, um, I mean, I have more of a problem with training if the weather's nice, like it's really problematic in the fall, you know, if you get like seven days where, you know, it's like fifties and dry, mm-hmm. um, I'll just want to run hard every day right. because the weather, the weather's so nice. Right. Um, you know, whether, whatever my kind of, you know, training plan is, it's just, it's such perfect conditions that I just like want to run a tempo run every day. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah. Tell me, you know, having been kind of doing the, and, and like I said, for, for mostly time reasons, we're going to focus on the FKTs and not go into, you know, your background yeah. as an international ultra runner and everything else. Uh, but from from what you've seen as the FKT scene has progressed over the past, you know, 10 to 15 years and really become, uh, you know, a thing to the point that, you know, the top runners are are sharing this on social media and, and Ultra Running Magazine is recognizing all these things. What, you know, what are your feelings on, I don't want to say the commercialization, commercialization because I don't know that there's a ton of money out there for it right now, but right. at least the popularization of the FKT scene, um, you know, mimicking maybe a few years behind the, the ultra running and trail running boom that we've seen, uh, in the last couple of decades. Uh, you know, is, is this, do, do you like it? Do you have reservations about it? Yeah, no, I mean, in the area that we live, I really don't see a lot of negative consequences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there's concerns out West for routes getting too much traffic, but right. that's not really a concern at all around here. No. I mean, there's been some stories about, you know, the, the white mountains, but I, I, I don't really have the impression that that's a really substantial problem. Or, um, right. At least not yeah, people I, chasing what, FKTs what, causing yeah. a huge impact. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, it's, it's a environmental problem or traffic or ish, you know, mm-hmm. that, that type of thing. Um, I was fascinated because I just realized recently that, um, you know, they, they updated the rules on the FKT and I, you know, I kind of saw this coming ahead of time. I mean, this was, um, there was evidence of this uh, a year or two ago, but there's a new you know, rule on the FKT that it has to be like a significant route. Yeah, I forget um, exactly how they phrase it, but uh, I, but, right. but you know, and, and I feel bad because to some degree, the the beauty of FKTs is the um, objectiveness. But at the same time, um, I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, you know, you can't have like if you're talking about road races, you can't have everyone's group run being designated right. a road race, right? <laughs> right? And this is the this is the equivalent of that, but, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because it really, obviously, it clearly introduces a, a subjective element in yes. here. Yes, yes. But it was getting, it was getting out of hand um, even before COVID, but now, you know, I mean, people are basically just, you know, going... Strava to FKT. Yes, exactly. It's like a one to one ratio. Right. And that's and that's the point, I think, is that, you know, uh, you know it, it's not like there isn't an outlet for that sort of thing. I mean, Strava right. exists. Exactly. You know, and that's what Strava segments are for, right? I, I, that's basically exactly what Strava segments are for. Right. Um, but, 
Right. FKTs, at least I think you and I probably agree, should be at least some sort of, you know, it's hard to say objectively defined, but somebody from the outside who didn't do it should be able to look at what it is and it should make some sort of intuitive sense to them. It's a loop of, you know, certain peaks that, that, you know, make aesthetic sense. It's a defined rail trail or a defined, you know, traverse of something like it, it shouldn't just be like, you know, I ran this trail to that trail to this trail and nobody's ever done that before. Right. So, right. Again, that's to me, that's what that's why you have Strava. That's why you have Strava segments. And, and you know, right. I, I think you, you make a good point. I mean, the, the, the beauty of the FKT is that it's, you know, much like, you know, the track or having a record. It's, it's, it's objective. You have the route and you, you, you follow the route and, you know, the time is the time. And, and whether you have it or not, that's, that's the answer. And, and this does, I guess, introduce a little subjectivity to it. But, you know, you have to feel for, for Peter and Buzz and the guys at, at FKT to dot com getting you know 30 yeah. 40 50 submissions a day you just can't you can't handle that yeah i read i read that and i'm like oh yeah no that makes perfect sense so <laughs> that's unfortunate <laughs> um so you have i think the number is something like 56 or 57 credited fkts on the site yeah i, I think i have 58 um, 58 I, I didn't look this week but i know you know I, i'm probably not in the lead anymore because there's a very um <laughs> active person out west uh last i checked was a few days ago you were still up by three or four i think really yeah. wow yeah i'm surprised because um yeah they're they're gunning for you um of all of the, i mean you know the vast majority of those in the northeast obviously i think you you kind of made your reputation in the fkt world i mean i think you made your reputation generally through the escarpment and and just a very long career of racing but uh, in the FKT world, I would say, you know, the whites are, are the whites and the cats are basically what what kind of put you on the map. Yeah. What of your 58 or so FKTs are the most dear? Or which do you which do you have the fondest memories of, I guess? Um, yeah, I would say the, the most traumatic was um, the, the swan song in the whites. Um, which is just a really spectacular route. Um, Rob Reeves established that, and uh, it's a pretty pretty wild ride. It's you know the type of thing that just to complete it is is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what is that? Thirty one miles and like to nineteen thousand feet of climbing. Um, yeah, no, it's it's rough, and um, I did that. There was a storm blew in that day. I was kind of like, you know. Um, jousting with the weather gods there and, and lost almost bailed right at the um summit lodge at at uh at my washington but it kind of cleared up a little bit um that was pretty sketchy um and then uh i have to say i've had you know it, it's hard to to have like the perfect days out when you you do these in terms of you being in the in great shape and then the conditions kind of cooperating right and um I, I've been lucky with the Devil's Path. With I probably had two days with that, and the first day, I uh, I got so confused. And I've done this twice: once in the race, once at Manitou's, and <laughs> once during FKT attempt. That I turned around on um, Twin mm-hmm. and just ran backwards back <laughs> the trail. Yeah, so I did that one time with um, with Brian Rosecki during the race, and then one time I was just at the time I was killing the FKT um, pace. 
And uh, I mean, I, I was pretty close to the FPT. If you would have subtracted my time, I added on like four miles. If you subtracted that time, I still would have set the FKT. But um, yeah, no, I added on like like four miles or something. <laughs> oh, Which you know, I mean, I was just happy to to complete it because you don't. I don't really leave a lot of room for error in terms of calories and things like that. So I was like, oh, this is gonna get. I mean, I almost bagged it at halfway because I was like, I can't. You know, the math is all wrong. I, I don't have enough really supplies to, to go another four or five miles on that type of terrain. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, no, the Devil's Path, I've had two pretty awesome runs on with that. And then, um, I mean, there's, yeah, there's there's certainly a bunch. Um, but those two uh, probably stand out the most. Um, What's a route that somebody else has put up that you would like to give a shot at? Oh, I mean, there's a there's a few um, that Josh Burns has put up in Vermont. Josh has put I, up some really cool stuff recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had my eye on. I, you know, my my sister lives in Vermont, and I've done some running in the Green Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I you know I thought I actually did some scouting. I probably run about half the long trail, mm-hmm. um, but it's just it's just such a sacrifice in terms of training and and the actual effort of of doing it you know and having it supported i mean if and i that, that's it, 270 some well 278 like vermont miles which <laughs> the only place no so it's interesting i mean every other place in the northeast where i you know i gps track the miles um i'm like 0.1 short mm-hmm you know, on, on all the miles and it's like dead on wherever I am on the, on the long trail. Right. And the, the, the second like section I scoped out and realized that was the case. I was like, Oh yeah, this thing's nuts. Like it's, you know, comparatively, it's not really like 280 miles. It's more like 320. <laughs> um, compare, you know, if you're talking about like comparing it to, to miles in other places, cause right. the, the, the trail mileage actually, you know, scales with gps which is is very odd right um it means you're going to be you're going to be running very long miles right right um but yeah other than that um you know i mean the the schwangunk ridge trail um i mean has some really awesome sections Mm -hmm. and i you know i did that um you know when when they had the the gunks trail challenge Mm -hmm. um you know a lot of those northern sections um, and would be interested in exploring the southern, southern sections and doing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I, at some point like to go back to the Connecticut ultra trail and, um, it's, it's tricky because that one is, it's hard to navigate unless you have a local guy. I mean, I was lucky to have someone. Is it, um, is it not well-marked? You know, it's on, it's, it's really it's kind of ironic because the blue blaze trails as a network are incredibly well marked, you know, 90% of the time, you know, unless it's a really neglected section of trail or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're, they're really the, uh, a prime example of, of how to mark trails effectively, but there's sections because this is a patchwork and there's just sections and it just goes from, like really well marked to like, there's no way in heck that <laughs> you you could make from point A to point B without somebody guiding you. I mean, I was with someone that was highly familiar with the area and we got horribly lost. Mm-hmm. Like 
several times. So yeah, if, I mean, if you know, if I was by myself, I'd just I'd end up in New York pretty quick. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, there, I mean, there's some other areas that um, I'm interested in. I mean, still mostly, you know, I mean, there's there's options in in New England that that I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't been able to to, to visit yet. For people who have not really dipped their toe into the FKT scene, maybe they're, you know, have run a couple ultras or getting into the trails now and, and are curious about exploring this now during the pandemic, what kind of advice do you have for them? What kind of changes do they need to make in their routine or in how they approach the day? Yeah, I mean, I, I think similar to kind of my ultra career, you, you want to progress up in distance um, and, you know, start at some short trails. Um, and definitely, you know, in places where if you're planning on doing things that, you know, you're not familiar with the, the area, you know, to start with short trails that, that are new to you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's something that like you want to, I mean, this is kind of what I, I predicted was going to happen. I mean, I being in, you know, either Eastern or Central Mass, um, I mean, I did most of these where it was like my first, second, third. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I went back and forth with people with mm-hmm. some of these groups, but I wasn't from the area. And I was like, and, but there were, were sections of trails next to me that I established FPT routes on. And, you know, you do them like six, seven, eight times and you look at the progression, you're like, well, if someone lives up on the presidential range or in the great range, right. and they're, they're there all the time, like those times are going to drop. Right. Because, and that's what people have done. I mean, whether or not they lived in the area, but they've just like focused and, and almost turned the FKT into like a climbing project. Right. Um, there, there's Lee no, Baru, there's yeah, no, Lee Baru, you yep. know, traveled to the great range, you know, several times to, to train on it. Um, yeah. I don't know if, if he has, I, I, if, no, I don't think he has the FKT anymore for that, but um the other guy that he was going back and forth with actually has a house in Keene. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so he's there all the time. Right. There, there's no right. substitute for local knowledge on these kind of things. But, um, yeah, so doing scouting trips is, is always a good idea. I mean, now, you know, I haven't really taken advantage of this, but you can certainly, you know, legally cheat. Um, I remember reading about the, the SRT, the stronger ratio races mm-hmm. and, you know, people with their watch and they have the map on there and they get like 10 feet off course and their, you know, the GPS is like pinging. Right. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I never, I never had that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had like, oh, what's that sign? I don't think I'm on the right trail. Right. Um, right. you know, so, um, I mean, that's, you know, that's totally legit nowadays. Right. Um, I mean, it always was. And so that's something you can do. But it even even with that, it just helps being familiar with the trail, um, you know, if, to, to maximize your, your speed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you prefer supported, unsupported? How do you like to do it? Yeah, I mean, I just think that I, I've always had a hard time, you know, not feeling guilty about supported attempts. Right. Um, my wife laughs that. Uh, so Gavin, our oldest, was like two, and we went on a scouting trip of the long trail, and that was the first and the last scouting trip. So <laughs> if you know the long trail, trying to get around southern Vermont yeah. to trailheads yeah. is like, you know. That's I mean, an adventure in itself, yeah. 
Oh yeah. So, you know, they're driving around with a two year old in the car and it was like, it was a fall. It should have been nice, but of course it was brutally cold. So, um, yeah, it was, um, I, yeah, I, I never wanted to like impose that on my family and, you know, I mean, you know, my wife was a competitive athlete in college. So it's, I mean, you know, she was never one of these people that was like, you know, like I would get great joy from, you know, handing you water bottles all day long, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I should volunteer more than I do, but <laughs> I'd rather be out, um, running myself. So, and I also just like the, the whole idea of, of being out there, but the, the long events, like I don't, you know, I do like to run fast. So right. in that, if it, if it is a longer route, I'd prefer to be, um, supportive, but I don't like asking it. So it just doesn't, <laughs> hap- it just doesn't happen that much. So right. yeah, right. self-supported or well, unsupported, um, is, is, is my way to go. Um, just for, you know, efficiency and, Right. Do you see this scene continuing to grow as even after we get through the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I mean, I think people will definitely flock back to races and things will kind of even out. Um, but I think it's a great way for, um, you know, it's I, it's kind of fascinating because I, I think that sometimes ultra running does attract people that tend to get um, a good deal of race anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so for, for those people, um, it's a great option to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have this thing where, you know, if you're trying to, you know, be highly competitive in the ultra scene, unless you're totally sponsored, it's hard to travel across the world. To right. Some of these races. So you can kind of get some notoriety without, you know, traveling very far if you can knock off one of these, you know, really high profile FDTs. Right. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're able to functionally race against someone who, you know, is internationally known. Right. Potentially in your backyard if, if you have a route like that. Right. So, um, I mean, I think it's a good, good option for, yep. for that type of thing as well. Uh, before I let you go, Ben, we're going to play the game that I play with all my guests. And like 95% of my guests, I'm going to spring this on you with no advanced warning. So I apologize. Uh, but we're going to play Desert Island Picks. I'm going to send you to a desert island for one year. And you get to bring one of each of the following. You get to bring one book, one album, one food, and one beer to a desert island for a year. You can go however you want in, in terms of however you answer this question. Some people like a really long book just so they don't get bored. Some people like their favorite book. Some people have said, I'll, you know, bring a dictionary or an atlas for God knows what reason. But however you want to answer the question for any of these categories is fine. All right. Um, so so book. Yeah, one book. Um, probably why zebras don't get ulcers. Oh, I, I, I think you're the second person who's actually answered that one. Yeah, so I'm I'm technically uh, like a grandchild of, of Robert Sapolsky. So um, yeah, he's he's definitely one of my scientific heroes. So he was my advisor's advisor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, amazing. Uh, um, one album. Album. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's for us old heads who know what actual albums are. Um. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah. I guess if it's a whole knee jerk response, um, the whole visual of that uh, unforgettable fire. Um, oh, YouTube. wow. Good one. Yeah. Um, wow. That was just totally 
No, yeah, that's great. From, from the deep brain there. <laughs> uh, one food. Brownies. <laughs> nice. <laughs> legal brownies. Yes. Although you're in Massachusetts, Be- everything's legal now. Betty Crocker, particularly. Okay. Actually. And one beer. Or if you're not a drinking beer these days, uh, any kind I mean, of drink is fine. Well, no, it's, I mean, you know, I'm a wine drinker. Yes. Um, one, one wine is fine. Give me a, give me a yeah, variety uh, in a year. Um, uh, petite, petite. Um, Michael David, petite, petite. Petite, petite, Michael David. Yeah. All right. That's something I'm definitely not sponsor some runners and bikers. Oh, really? Uh, so it's a, it's like a Sonoma or Napa winery, uh, but it's a California winery. And I, I saw somebody. Did I? Yeah, I think I saw them at a local race and they had like a whole jersey and I'd seen like a mountain biker with um, Michael David's sponsored jersey. And I was like, that's my truth. That would be awesome. Nice. You know, it's like, you know, so like, you know, I think Sage is sponsored by, right, by, by a brewery now. A bunch of people are. Yeah, there's a few brewery. I mean, but Sage. You don't really hear and... wineries that much. No, no. Let's get, Joe, let's get Joe and Elizabeth on that. Yeah, no, it's, um, they make some incredible wine. Um, if you like California reds, um, so I do like California reds. I don't know a lot about wine, but I know I like that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Ben, thanks so much for taking the time. And, uh, this was really fun. Do you have anything coming up? Um, no, nothing. I mean, just kind of waiting to see how the race is. Um, you know, I, I actually never, uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to just not signing up ahead of time for, <laughs> for various reasons. Um, and now that's not really as much <laughs> of an option. Um, so, you know, like I, I probably sign up ahead of time for one or two races a year and um, the, the, the 50 K trail national championship. So, um, Oh, okay. Yeah. So in, in New Hampshire um, and that's in just got an email September? about that today. And they're just waiting and seeing. So we'll see. I mean, given given how things are going, I totally expect the race to happen in August because I mean that's a ways from now, and they're already kind of opening up. But yeah, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. All right, great, great. Cool. Uh, You going to be down in New Paltz anytime soon? Um, you know, uh, so there's a new baby in Stephanie's family, and she's talking about um, her sister is self quarantining right now. And she's talking about getting tested. Um, it's just, it's hard, you know, to have a new baby in the family. And sure. Not visit it. So they're, um, they're trying to figure out how to do that. But I mean, it seems like at the same time, you know, things are one way or another, they're, they're opening back up. Right. So, For better or worse. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can, we can do that safely and the, you know, the numbers continue to go down, but, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll be we'll be back in the area um, one way or the other. Good. Let me know when. That'd be awesome. It'd be great to see and get a running. Yeah. All right, man. Love to the family. Thanks so much. Yep. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Thanks, everybody, Bye. for listening in the pain cave tonight. And until next time, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded like a good old pair of jeans. Rusted like a proud old car that's drove a little too far and seen too much rain. But long ago, as a child, I look about the night sky and wild.